for those that might be wondering why we still have Christmas decorations up, we are at the ninth day of Christmas. Um, Epiphany will be this Wednesday, and next Sunday we will celebrate Epiphany. And you may say, well, why do we sing Christmas carols? Um, because the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is so important to just give it one day is not enough. For we are blessed immensely by the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the preaching of his word. O Lord our God, we come into your presence mindful that the heathen rage against you and take counsel against your son and against your kingdom. We thank you, O Lord, that you sit on the circle of heaven and you do laugh, that you hold them to ridicule and mockery. O Lord our God, give us holy boldness as we face these powers of darkness and the blessed assurance that your enemies will repent or be destroyed. Please open up their eyes that they may see truth, repent, and be reconciled to you. Give us grace to do the work of building, of reconstruction, so that all things may be conformed to you, and that the kingdoms of this world might become kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. Bless us in this battle, we beseech you, O Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now you might say, that's a prayer that's pretty bold and, and forward. And I would say to all of us here today that we must remember that there is an eternity and that people will be judged and there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that refuse to repent, that those that refuse to turn to God will perish. We must not lose sight of that. During this Advent season which is the start of the church calendar, we have looked again and again at the anticipation of our Savior's coming and then His miraculously, perfectly timed coming that we might be reconciled to our Father. In this new calendar year, let us become Christocentric. Let all parts of our life be centered, that is to say, based on even the very lenses with which we pass everything so that we may understand it, be centered and based on Christ. Over the, over the year, we have a tendency to allow habits and actions and thinking to creep in and take us off Jesus as the center of all things. You know, in this past year, we have all kinds of reasons to praise God, to have joy, to be assured of His commitment to us. He has kept us through all kinds of various trials, the ones we know about and many that we do not. Have you ever been sitting in traffic? And you're like, why can't I get down the road already? Right? Has that ever caused you anguish and frustration? What is God doing in your life? How is He keeping you? Is He keeping you from a terrible disaster that lies ahead of you? Is He teaching you to be patient? In either case recognize the sovereignty of our Lord in God and be at rest. 
Don't let it aggravate you. God is providentially hindering you. Now, if you hit the snooze button and you delay getting up and you drank that coffee really slow and now you're rushing and you're going to be late, wait, stop, confess those sins of those actions, right? And rest in God and His providence. As we consider this, we're going to be looking today at 1 Peter chapter 1. And most of the time, people start this passage beginning in verse 13, but I want us to look at verse 12 because I think it leads in. Of course, you know, if we had all day, I'd just start at the beginning, verse 1, and we just preach through the whole book. But <clears throat> that's for another day. But I, I want us to think about and recognize when you're reading your Bible throughout the week, right? Don't just read a paragraph. Read the one before it. Read the one after it for the one you're studying so that you can properly understand. Look at the outline that's at the front of your Bible that's explaining the book so you understand the context. Read the introduction that is provided in so many Bibles so that you get a feel for what's going on and you're not simply taking things out of context. And so today we'll be looking again at 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, and it says this, to them, and that word them is the prophets, that is the ones that were prophesying and teaching God's people before the coming of Jesus. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. Through those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, the prophets, they understood that much of what they were saying was not going to be fully revealed or recognized until the coming of the Savior. And of course, Peter here is saying to his hearers, not only did they do that, but this has now actually been reported. It's actually all the things they were looking for and pointing to and saying are going to happen. They have indeed happened. Christ has come. He not only came and was born, but he lived a perfect life. He taught and called for repentance. He prayed and cared for the people of Israel, his disciples, and the world. And then he laid his life down that we might be reconciled to God our Father. And Peter says that this has been reported to you. The gospel has been preached by the Spirit sent from heaven. None of us could understand today God's Word without the Spirit of God opening our eyes and helping us to see. We're going to see how important that really is here in just a few minutes. This is really important. And there's this really odd phrase at the end of this verse. Okay, so by the Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desired to look into. Contrary to what we see in movies, angels are not these autonomous, all-understanding, all-wise beings from heaven. Angels have limits. Originally, they were our teachers. Look all through the early parts of the, the history of the world and the scriptures. You see angels appearing, talking, dealing 
with people. And of course, we see that close out with the appearance of Jesus and a couple of places in the book of Acts until we get to the end of the age. And we see that, that they're limited. They're messengers. They have limitations. Don't get caught up in anything that overemphasizes the power and strength of angels um, and, and lean upon Christ. Don't say, well, you know, my guardian angel. No, it's the Spirit of God that orders the days of your life that protects you. Perhaps God sends an angel to deal with something, but that's not his ordinary means of operation. All that being said, let us continue on. I'm going to read this passage um, to us, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. What a wonderful passage. Now you can look at this and simply say, well, this is a, a, a New Year's message. And I would argue, no. This is, we've been talking about Advent. We've been talking about the church calendar. We've been talking about centering our lives each and every day around Christ. This is a lesson, a teaching from God's Word on centering ourselves on Christ. The first thing we see is that we are to be prepared. Verse 13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins, and then it lists it out. Mind to be sober and to rest your hope. So first of all, let's talk about what girding up your loins means. You see, in the time that, that Peter is writing this, the Romans are the, the soldiers and the guardians and the policemen, and they are the armies that guard the safety of the kingdom. And you see, you would have a robe or you would have clothing on, and before you went into battle, you would take your tunic and you would tuck it up so you wouldn't trip up on it, or so that the enemy couldn't grab it and get a hold of it and use it against you. Ever watched a judo match? Anybody? And they, they're, they're always grabbing each other's, I don't know, okay, <laughs> grabbing that outfit and they're tossing one another, right? 
right? Well, in most combat, you don't want the enemy to get a hold of you. It reminds me of a time when my son, Caleb, was, I don't know, 15 or 16, and uh, we got to wrestling under the table at a mealtime. And uh, if he's that size, you know, I'm pretty good size. We're making some ruckus under the table. And I thought to myself, you know, we probably ought not do that in the house. And I said, well, let's go out in the yard. And he's all bravado, you know, all of this. And um, he was actually wise because when he was about 14, we had a similar situation and it just didn't go well for him. And of course, this was all in good fun. There wasn't any anger. But at 16, he had wised up. And he knew that if his father got his hands on him, he was in trouble, right? So he used his quickness and agility to keep me from getting him. Um, and, and so when we think about things like that, when it says gird up your loins, it says tuck it all in, get your loose ends, all the things that have gotten out and away from you that might trip you up or might allow the devil a way to grab a hold of you, pull it in. Gather up your loose ends. Remember I mentioned that we have this tendency to allow, over time, things to seep in, habits, spend in uh, time. And I'm okay if we use technology to, to relax a little bit, but not let it consume us or use it at the inappropriate times. But what I'm saying is there are all kinds of things that creep in to our lives and get us off, keeping Christ as the center of all things. And some of you might be saying, man, life is chaotic. We've got jobs and kids and activities in school and, and church and all these things. And yes, that's right. Those happen and God expects us to live. He's not saying don't do that and just, you know, go over in the corner and huddle and pray. Okay, don't neglect prayer, but that's not Christian living. Christian living is being Christocentric in the schooling, in your marriage, with your kids, at play, and at work with your children, with serving with your children, eating at the table. All of these things can be done so that it is centered on Christ. Gird up your loins. Pull all the loose ends. And with this idea of your mind, think of this. Matthew 22, verse 37 says this. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, and with all your mind. We've all heard that before, but let us be reminded of it. We are to love God in all areas of life, including our thoughts. Because if we're honest, well, Scripture teaches, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, right? That same concept works not only in the words coming out, but out of the abundance of your heart, your thoughts are, your thinking your actions. We need to make sure that we are loving God with our thoughts and with our mind. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Basically, the mind that is not belonging to Christ, a pagan mind, is carnal and it is against God. It rages against God. You see, the people you come into contact that don't know Christ, one of their biggest issues is they can't understand because their thoughts are raging against God's truth. But we are not so. Romans 12, 2 says this, 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, man, that's a loaded one, right? Wait, what? The good, acceptable? Uh-oh, here's that word that trips us up. The perfect will of God. We are suddenly caught up in difficulty. This word perfect. Every time you see the word perfect, I want you to think not as in perfection of no sin, but as in maturity. You grow in God and you're always maturing, or that's the idea. Right? So we have to renew our mind. How do we do that? We read God's Word. We talk about God's Word to our children, to our spouses, to our friends, to the body of Christ with one another. We encourage one another in that way. That way we will be able to prove out what is good, what's acceptable, and what the mature will of God is. And remember, it's ongoing. Sometimes people get stuck in this ditch of lamenting about why didn't I understand or know this before? And this is what you have to rest in. God's perfect providence in your life. If you have never heard a, a truth before, if you've never understood a truth before, and suddenly you know it now, praise God that you know and understand it now, and don't lament on what you didn't know before. If you recognize that because you didn't know it and you didn't embrace it, that you sinned against somebody, confess it to God first, then to the person you've sinned against, and be restored and rest in God's assurance of his forgiveness for you. Ephesians 4, 23 through 27 says this, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which, is at, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. This is really big. For we are members of one another. In this room, the right thing to do, the right way to think, is to tell the truth to your neighbors. Now, don't swing it like a hammer. Right? Because you, we're called, we, we have this relationship with one another that's inescapable. Inescapable. Right? And if you in love and kindness come and speak the truth to someone and they don't respond, as long as they're not hateful, do it again. If they start resisting and pushing back, go and get someone else. The Matthew 18 principle. Go and do it. And then if they are still resistant, make sure it's a sin now. Sometimes it's a truth that's going to help them, but it's not necessarily a sin but it's wise, be careful. But if it's a sin, then go and get the elders so that they can address it. A lot of times we want to hold firm to things that don't need to be absolutes. Make sure you can back up what you're saying by a clear understanding of God's Word because we are members for one another. It says this in, in completion of this thought, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Again, we are called to one another. We are members of one another 
do not have problems that are left unresolved. Address them. And really, really come down to what is worth fighting over. Be very, very careful there. Way too many times it's a selfish perspective and not the truth. Why do we do all this? Why do we not let the sun go down on our anger? Otherwise, it says this, because if you don't, it says you will give a place to the devil. Don't give a loose end to the devil by not resolving issues that need to be resolved in your life and in the life of others. If there's a difficulty, go and make it right. Here's something to consider. Contrast this from Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It's really important for us to recognize that if we are not submissive to Christ, that we understand that this creates a problem. And when you resist God and you resist God and you resist God, God gives people like that over to a retrograde mind and to do things they ought not to do. Listen. In Colossians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says this to us. Again, this is now thinking back to ourselves as Christians. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. That is, be mature, growing in God. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. We need to recognize that because we are belonging to one another, we must know and understand that we need to be of one mind and we need to live in peace. So not only does it tell us that we should live in this way, it tells us to be sober. Now this is really important. This is not sober as in not drinking, okay? This word sober here, the Greek word is Nepho, that is to be sober, to be calm, collected in spirit, to be temperate. This one's big, dispassionate, circumspect. Do not allow emotions to rule you. How do you get anarchy? People just give full, full way to their emotions, being driven on those things. Now let us see what God's Word says in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to prophets, some evangelism, evangelists, some to pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that is, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Here's the thing. God gives all these gifts, and to what end? So that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful 
plotting. Now right now, if we look out at the world, we look out there and we see all kinds of things where people, and you know what happens? Because people do it, it happens to us too. We act like children and we're tossed to and fro by our emotional response to the things that we see. Why? Because we see doctrinal problems, we see the trickery of men, we see the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting of others. And that gets us all emotionally tied up. This instruction here is, don't be. What's the contrast? Verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head Christ. Listen. God is on the throne. Christ is at his right hand. This is so important. Do not let the noise of this world shake you, drive you to emotional fear, drive you to emotional action. Be thoughtful. Pull in those loose ends. Structure your life on God's word. Keep Christ at the center of all things. Even when you recognize that there are lies and deceit all around us, we are called to speak the truth in love. Be truthful. You cannot change someone's mind. The Spirit of God can. So you pray for them and you speak the truth in love. And you don't have to wrestle it out of them. Speak the truth. Stand firm in the convictions from God's Word. And let God change them. Finally, it says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit of God has enabled you to believe and enabled you to see Jesus Christ, you can see and rest your hope. That's an assurance of hope. That is not like hope, oh, I wish for. No, this is the sure thing of Christ's Forgiveness is available and the reconciliation to God the Father, and it is absolute. And because of that, we are able to have rest. So gather up your loose ends in your mind, in your emotions, be calm in all things, and rest in God's sovereign providence. As we continue to look at this passage, we see this it talks about ignorance. It says, it says, after telling us that we are assured in Jesus Christ to rest and not be afraid, it says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Right? So we need to be obedient. This is rendering ourselves to anyone's counsel. So listen, we need to be obedient to God. We need to be obedient to the teachers who are teaching God's word faithfully. And it should be amongst yourselves too. In your brothers and sisters, in your life throughout the week as you're in each other's lives and you're talking, someone speaks a biblical truth. If you recognize it, submit yourself to it. It's not that they're trying to rule over you. They are trying to speak into your life the truth in love. Center yourself on God's word because we are children. We are adopted into God's family by the work of Christ. 
It says not conforming. That is to say, don't fashion yourself after another's pattern. Don't fashion your life after anything else. Don't go down any other path if it's not centered on Christ. Because that is what the unbelievers do. The former lust, the desires of the pagans. We were all once there. We had ignorance. That is a lack of knowledge. This word ignorance is not just a lack of knowledge. It actually means a blindness to knowledge. It is really interesting because we see in Deuteronomy chapter 28, when God is laying out his covenant with the people of Israel, he says this, in beginning in verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command to you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then God lists out these curses. When you look around the world and you look at all the destruction and all the crazy thinking that's going on in Europe, in Canada, in the United States, all these places where the church has been, God's covenant promises have been at work. And guess what? The covenant curses are coming to roost. Because if you fall down to verses 28 and 29, it says this of Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Does that explain what's going on today? This blindness that we can't, how can they not see it? It's so obvious. Well, when you reject Christ, when you reject repentance through Christ to our Heavenly Father, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it. As it says in Romans 1, he gives you over to a corrupt mind. And the covenant curse is blindness. Don't be caught up. It says this, but as he, this is back to our, our passage in verse 15 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. This is important. We are to be holy. We are to do right. We are to be faithful in following God. And it's so interesting. He says all this and he goes on in verse 17 and says, If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, it says, be holy, do righteous things, do what you're supposed to do. Now, here's one of the things that you need to know. You're going to sin. When you do, repent to God, repent to those you've sinned against, make it right. Restore yourself to God, restore yourself to your fellow man, whoever that may be. This is important. That is the way of holiness, recognizing your sin and repenting of it. And it says, and it reminds us, God is going to judge everyone without partiality. And you think, how do I measure up? You don't. You don't. 
confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Praise God for that. It says, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, the first thing I want to say about that is it's passing the time. Another translation uses passing. This word time that you find in this verse, conduct yourselves throughout the season. And I'm using this to say, listen, folks, here we're coming through Christmas. We're going to go through the rest of the year. We're going to, through our church calendar, our banners, our colors, the things we're doing, we're going to do this in a way that's Christ-centered. That's how our lives are going to be centered so that no matter what happens in the pagan, lost, and blinded world, we are at calm and we are at peace in God's grace. And we think, oh, it says I need to be afraid because I, I have to keep my, myself in the season in fear. This word fear here is reverence, awestruck, a recognition that you are undone. That's right. But it's really interesting because this also means reverence for your husband. Remember this, Jesus is the bridegroom, right? And you're going to see that's the whole context here, that Jesus is the one with whom our salvation comes from. In reverence for the work of Christ, the bridegroom to us, the church, let us center our lives our time, passing our time in reverence to Him. It's not pagan traditions. It says this in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, that's the motivator for most pagans, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with precious, the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb without blemish and without spot. God is so gracious. He's so kind. His forgiveness is available. That's being Christ-centered in your life. Each situation, each relationship, are we living it, recognizing the great debt that Jesus, our bridegroom, did for us? Jesus, our bridegroom, asks us to live our lives centered on him. Using a Christocentric church calendar reminds us of his great love, actions, and teachings of truth that bring clarity to our lives. This passage finishes up with these words. And we are to be reminded that in all this, it seems like this big and great emotional wave up, we're coming down, but we are coming down to life on a solid ground. He indeed, that is Jesus, was foreordained. That is God's sovereign plan before the foundation of the world. That is before creation was set in motion. The cosmos, this world is cosmos. It is not the land. This is the entire universe. Before it was laid out, set in motion, it was foreordained, this God's sovereign plan, and it was made manifest in these last times for you and I and this body who through him, by him, believe in God, 
who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. This reminds us that God's sovereign plan was planned out from the beginning, before the creation. This was his plan, and he is working it out for you and I and all of us. And he has given us the ability to believe so that our faith and hope, that's our, that word faith, that's our assurance and our hope, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. And these are the last words of this passage, are in God. You can be at rest. You can be at peace. You don't have to be tossed to and fro by great emotion or fear or frustration. Trust in God's sovereign work. Let us ask God this year to help us to center our lives on Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We thank you that you sit on the throne and that your Son, our Savior, Jesus, sits at your right hand making intercession for us. Lord, help us to gather in our loose ends. Help us to be sober-minded, not tossed to and fro, but rest in your peace. Lord, knowing that you've laid out for us how to live, may we be mindful of all these things in your great work of your Son, Jesus. May it apply in all areas of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.